In 313, from the great imperial city of Milan, Constantine and his co-emperor Licinius dispatched a series of flowery letters to provincial governors. The two rulers thought it salutary and most proper that complete toleration should be given by the state to anyone who had given up his mind either to the cult of the Christians or any other cult which he personally feels best for himself. All previous anti-Christian decrees were revoked, Christian places of worship and other property seized from them were to be restored, and compensation provided where legally appropriate. The new policy was to be published everywhere and brought to the notice of all men. The so-called Edict of Milan, by which the Roman Empire reversed its policy of hostility to Christianity and accorded it full legal recognition, was one of the decisive events in world history. Yet the story behind it is complicated and in some ways mysterious. Christian apologists at the time and later portrayed it as the consequence of Constantine's own conversion, itself brought about by the miraculous intervention of God before the Battle of the Milvian Bridge outside Rome, where Constantine defeated the usurper Maxentius. This was the story Constantine liked to tell himself later in life. Bishop Eusebius, who informs us gloatingly that he was honoured with the emperor's acquaintance and society, says he heard from Constantine's own lips that a most incredible sign appeared to him from heaven. But there is a conflict of evidence about the exact time, place and details of this vision, and there is some doubt about the magnitude of Constantine's change of ideas. His father had been pro-Christian, He himself appears to have been a sun-worshipper, one of a number of late pagan cults which had observances in common with the Christians. Thus the followers of Isis adored a Madonna nursing her holy child. The cult of Attis and Cybele celebrated a day of blood and fasting, followed by the Hilaria resurrection feast, a day of joy, on the 25th of March. The elitist Mithraics, many of whom were senior army officers, ate a sacred meal. Constantine was almost certainly a Mithraic, and his triumphal arch, built after his conversion, testifies to the sun-god or unconquered sun. Many Christians did not make a clear distinction between this sun-cult and their own. They referred to Christ driving his chariot across the sky. They held their services on Sunday, knelt towards the east, and had their nativity feast on the 25th of December, the birthday of the sun at the winter solstice. During the later pagan revival under the Emperor Julian, many Christians found it easy to apostatize because of this confusion. The Bishop of Troy told Julian he had always prayed secretly to the sun. Constantine never abandoned sun worship and kept the sun on his coins. He made Sunday into a day of rest, closing the law courts and forbidding all work except agricultural labor. In his new city of Constantinople, he set up a statue of the sun-god bearing his own features in the forum, and another of the mother goddess Cybele, though she was presented in a posture of Christian prayer. Constantine's motives were probably confused. He was an exceptionally superstitious man, and he no doubt shared the view, popular among professional soldiers, that all religious cults should be respected to appease their respective gods— He clearly underwent a strange experience at some time in his military career, in which his Christian troops played a part. He was a slave to signs and omens, and had the Christian Cairo sign on his shields and standards long before Milan. Superstition guided his decision to build a new capital, 
choice of its site, and many other of his major acts of state. He was not baptized until his last illness. This was by no means unusual, since few Christians then believed in a second forgiveness of sins. Sinful or worldly men, especially those with public duties seen as incompatible with Christian virtue, often delayed baptism till they were about to depart. But Eusebius's account of Constantine's late baptism is ambiguous, and it may be that the Church refused him the sacrament because of his manner of life. Certainly it was not his piety which made him a Christian. As a young man he had the imperial look about him. He was tall, soldierly, athletic, with strongly marked features, heavy eyebrows, a powerful chin. But there were early reports of his violent temper and his cruelty in anger.